from SGI-USA, I'm Cassidy Bradford, and this is Buddhability. The weekly series where I talk with Buddhists from all walks of life about the power we each have to change our lives and the world around us. Following last week's episode about finding your purpose, this week we asked you to share what makes you unique. We heard many qualities, like your smile, imagination, sense of humor. Many of you said that your lived experiences and the lessons you've learned are what makes you truly unique. It sounds to me like some of you may have listened to last week's episode. One answer that stood out to me said, I'm not quite sure what makes me unique, but I'm going to figure it out soon. I'm sure a lot of listeners resonate with that answer not totally sure what our path is or uncertain of the qualities that make us unique. But with time, as we chant nam myoho denge kyo and take action one step at a time, the best path for our lives opens up and our unique qualities come to shine. Today's guest, Hannah Doherty of Los Angeles, California, shares how she broke through self-doubt and stagnation by setting big goals and running toward them. There are a few mentions of disordered eating in today's episode, so please take care when listening. My name is Hannah Doherty. I live in Los Angeles. I am an urban farmer, dancer, poet, overall artist, and I am 23. I know that you're in LA now, but you're not originally from LA. So I'd really love to hear just about like your childhood and your life growing up. Yeah, so I'm originally from Dallas, Texas, born and raised. Um, I was born into a Catholic family. And then when I was eight years old, my parents became atheist. And I kind of from that age was always seeking some sort of like spiritual practice or religion of some sort. I always just felt like there was something deeper to life. I always just kind of felt really different growing up, to be honest. From a young age, I was really, really shy. I would always just create this like world to escape to within my artistry. So Mm. as a dancer, I started writing poetry when I was younger and just like painting for fun, things like that. Once I was around like 15 years old, I started to realize that a lot of the other dancers at my studio weren't really interested in pursuing it as a career. And so I started going to dance conventions and classes by myself because I didn't want to miss out on the opportunities. It was really challenging. I really started training in dance more consistently, and I became known as a hard worker and really determined. By the time I was like 16, that became me overworking myself. I was in a lot of advanced classes and dancing like 20 to 30 hours every single week. I was waking up every day at 6 a.m., going to sleep between midnight and 3 a.m., doing homework, practicing dance. And I had my entire day planned out, essentially. And if one thing went wrong, then it just ruined everything. I struggled with disordered eating at the time, which had really started when I was 12 years old. And so, you know, even like everything that I was eating, drinking, every exercise I did, it was all part of this like calculated... (laughs) you know, thing. And so by the time 
I was 17 and 18. I was so independent. I was just ready to leave. And also I was tired of like hiding my true self because I just never had shown that to the world. And so I decided when I was 18 that I was going to move to LA to pursue dance as a career. <laughs> wow. I I don't know if you would call yourself an overachiever, but like I definitely yes. <laughs> I definitely feel I was an overachiever and yeah, really pressured myself to just do everything, be good at everything, even if externally I didn't have those pressures from my parents. Can I ask like where you felt like that drive to like do so much all the time? Yeah, I think I didn't want to miss out on opportunities, even though I grew up really shy and like kind of hid my personality and I sort of let people control how I showed up as a person. I never let people choose what I spent my time doing. <laughs> I was always following my own trajectory. My family is very like math and science based. So I mm. did kind of feel some pressure to like go into that route and like get really good grades and be this like really smart educated person but i also my personal trajectory that i wanted to follow was dance and art so i had to make time for everything i didn't want to fall behind in any way when i was 18 i had started branching out to other classes in dallas and one of the classes that i started taking was a hip-hop foundations class and that also just opened up this whole new world of dance for me. And I just felt like, wow, this is so interesting. At the same time, I took environmental science and it completely changed my life. And I was even questioning, do I want to become a park ranger or do I you know, want to go to school for this? But because dance was already my entire life, I mm. decided, let me do this route. So yeah. I still chose to move to LA for dance. Before and after I moved to LA, I was also in a difficult relationship. As you can imagine, that really took a toll on me as well. I mean, it sounds like you had a lot of hopes and dreams in terms of dance. You wanted to really live true to yourself and also navigating like very difficult things like in terms of the relationship so yeah I'm curious what like maybe the first couple of months were like when you moved to LA when I first moved I was living in a house of 20 dancers <laughs> for six months I know it, to everyone it sounds so scary like you're just gonna move to LA at 18 but I think because I had been so independent for so many years I just felt like this is the moment I've been waiting for <laughs> Um, it was really amazing living in this house because I was actually the only American. You know, they're all tourists as well. So I was able to experience LA, explore the city. They also helped me start to see maybe that the relationship that I was in wasn't the best. You know, even though I didn't fully even express everything that was happening, they were able to really help me out of that too. I was in this dance program, I was training. It was just amazing to literally dance all day, explore the city with new people and like have these conversations that I had been wanting for so long. It sounds like it was like, yeah, wow, finally all of these things that I've been waiting for are finally here, finally happening. I know at this point you were not practicing Buddhism at all and somebody listening might be like, 
well, why would you like be interested in Buddhism? You know, like I mentioned before, I had always been seeking some sort of spiritual or religious practice. When I was in high school, you know, like I used motivational quotes to help me get some sort of encouragement, but I just always felt like there was something deeper. I had also tried to get into meditation. I felt like I would just daze off every time I would try to sit down (laughs) and meditate. Um, Yeah, I also in high school, a lot of my friends were Christian. And so, you know, I had gone to church with them. I would go in just really curious and my curiosity was not met with openness. So Mm. (laughs) I was always kind of looking for something. But when I was living in the House of Dancers, one of my friends who's from Italy, she had a friend from Italy that invited both of us to an intro to Buddhist meeting. And so I went and it was just everything that I had been looking for, basically. All of the concepts just really resonated with me. One of them was that there's no limits in Buddhism. I had always, my entire life, just been a really passionate person, you know, and I love to do everything and I want to do everything that I can in my life. And so, you know, in Buddhism, it's like you can do all of those things, you know, and there's there's no limiting yourself or the things that you're chanting for. You can be as detailed and specific as possible. And then another thing was that in Buddhism, everyone has a mission. You know, we believe that every single person has this profound mission or purpose in their life. And I always wanted to do things that really made a difference in the world. And so I really related to that too. And something else that just really encouraged me when I was going to my first couple meetings is I know we've talked a lot on this podcast about how amazing our like diverse Buddhist community is, but I think something specifically within that that resonated with me is the older Buddhist practitioners, they are so encouraging. You'll hear someone say, I'm 70 years young, or (laughs) someone retired and they're going back to school or they have 10 more goals. And I just had never really seen that outside of Buddhism. And so that was really encouraging to me too. It's like, you know, your entire life, you are continuing to strive to make every single day better. I really understood that it was a daily practice, you know, of chanting Nam Myoho Renge Kyo. And it was just so tangible and I just felt like, yeah, I can add this into my daily routine. And although it didn't necessarily make sense to me at the time, I I felt like this was something that I could relate to. When I was at my first meeting too, everyone was so open and welcoming and I went in with the same curiosity that I had previously when I had gone to church with people, but it was actually met with you know, the openness and dialogue that I had been looking for. And it felt like people were just genuinely interested in having a conversation and people were so excited by questions, you know, and that was just so different than what I had experienced. But also that was about a month after I had left my relationship. And at that time, I had lost all the confidence that I had built And so this was like a tangible way for me to have autonomy of my own happiness again and really choose, you know, every single day to pull myself out of that hole that I was in. Mm, Wow, I really love that. It really is like a deeply empowering philosophy. So 
sounds like you really came to it as like, oh, wow, I need something just really empowering in my life. And this really resonates with the things that I already feel and is a practice that I can really use or like a tool I can use to bring out all of my like best qualities. Does that sound accurate to you? Yes, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) So what was it like when you started your own practice and you were trying chanting? Was it something that you jumped into like both feet in or like slowly testing it out? What what did that look like for you? I definitely did not jump in two feet. Um, (laughs) I, you know, like I said, I always had some hesitation with religion. So I definitely went in a little bit skeptical, but they just say, try out the practice. So I tried it out. And um, the first couple weeks that I was chanting, I didn't really know what I was supposed to be seeing in my life. But once I talked to people more, I started to realize that, yeah, I did see some transformations. I started to feel really present every single day. I was able to really focus on what I needed to focus on. I wasn't really thinking as much about, oh, that person just looked at me weird down the street and, you know, overthinking that for five hours, you know? I was just (laughs) focused on the tasks that I wanted to do that were going to get me to where I wanted to go. And after, like, five years of just chaos and stress in high school, it was like a breath of fresh air for the first time. And I felt like I was really just able to enjoy life. And even though I was super busy, you know, I was trying to take all these dance classes and I was assisting people. And I was also in another relationship. Like I was doing all these things, but I was chanting and it was able to kind of bring energy and life into everything that I was doing. And so before I necessarily saw a tangible goal, I saw a shift in just myself. And I even remember one of my friends came over and she just kind of walked in and said, what have you been doing? (laughs) Because you (laughs) seem really calm. And so, yeah, I other people were noticing it too, you know? (laughs) Wow. I love that. I mean, there's many ways to talk about how Buddhism changes our lives. You know, we think about like these tangible goals that we work toward and we accomplish. We think about our growth over the course of many years. And even in like, you know, really pivotal moments, we have big sort of like growth spurts, I guess I'll say. But yeah, I think that sort of seemingly smaller shift is really significant. You know, that's why it's a daily practice, right? Each day we're like building up our life state so that we can be more present and engaged in our just our day to day. And I find that, yeah, when I can really chant solidly in the morning, My whole day is so different. So I'm really, really glad that you shared that. Because I think, yeah, some people that might want to try chanting are like, I don't know if I'm noticing anything. What should I be noticing? (laughs) So I'm really, really glad you shared that. So as you were kind of noticing these changes slowly, did you start chanting for any specific goals or things that you really wanted to see change in your life? I was looking for a job as a baker. I was kind of just looking for any baking job, but one of my Buddhist friends encouraged me to write down everything that I want in a job and really chant specifically for that. 
Hmm. And so I wrote down that I, you know, wanted to work at a French bakery. At the time, I didn't have a car, so I was chanting that it was close enough for me to ride my bike to. And I wanted the earliest that I would be able to work at 5 a.m. because baking hours are early. But I also wanted to be off before the afternoon so that I could take dance classes. And so that's really what I was chanting for at the time. And I ended up getting a job at a French bakery, 15 minute bike ride away. My hours were 5 a.m. to 10 a.m. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, it was exactly what I had chanted for. And so that was really the first, you know, tangible goal that I really saw when I had first started my practice. I worked there for seven months, but it had kind of become not the best working environment. And my practice had kind of fallen off during that time as well. But I started back again. I decided... I wanted to have a job that really made a difference in the world. You know, after taking environmental science, it was really hard to work in the food industry. I was really, at that point, passionate about reducing food waste and compost and soil. And so it was so hard to work in a kitchen environment where you're throwing away food and there's no recycling and you're using only single-use plastics. (laughs) It was very stressful. And so... I started chanting to have a job that really made a difference in the world. And through my practice, I started working as a canvasser for nonprofits. Also at that time, that was 2019, I was still pursuing the dance industry, but I was introduced to house dance, which is a type of street style dance. I was trying to get back into the street style community that I had been introduced to when I was 18. And so house dance is a type of freestyle dance that comes from New York in the 80s and 90s from underground black and queer clubs. It just changed my life, to be honest, and I loved it so much. And so at the end of 2019, I had a couple experiences where I decided this is what I want to dedicate my life to is house dance. When I first was introduced to the street style dance community, I really enjoyed it because, like I mentioned before, you're learning about the history of Black dance in America and like all of these really important dance forms. So it was really important to me because this is continuing history, essentially. And the dance industry, a lot of the choreographers are not really trained in those styles. And so... Once It's kind of like once you open your eyes to something, you can't unsee it. (laughs) And that's kind of how I felt going back to the dance industry. I felt like the way they saw dance was different than how I saw dance. Because I felt like people in the dance industry were a lot more interested in the overall performance. You have to learn which dancer worked with which choreographer, with which artist. That's the history that you're learning when you're in the dance industry. And when you're in the street style community, you're learning about the history and heritage behind these dance forms and how they were created, the purpose they were created for. And also at the time I was assisting a choreographer and they were asking me, okay, what what do you want to do in the dance industry? Do you want to do music videos? Do you want to go on tour? Do you want to do commercials? You know, what are you looking at? And I just... It's like, I just want to dance. I don't know. (laughs) 
Um, and I just really was getting tired of the dance industry and so decided to fully leave and I chopped off my hair and got tattoos and you know I decided okay I don't need headshots great I'm gonna completely change everything about my <laughs> outward appearance <laughs> wow oh my gosh did it feel scary to do that I felt a hundred percent this is it you know I think it just felt so much more meaningful and my entire life if something doesn't feel right, then I've moved on. <laughs> and so it didn't really feel scary. You know, it's the same way of when I moved to LA, I just, that's what I felt I had to do and I did it. And that's kind of how I felt when I fully went into the freestyle community. People were so welcoming and they really want to teach you. It kind of feels spiritual in a way as well, you know, cause you're connecting to the music and the space and you know, everything around you. And it's not pre-rehearsed, you know, it's your own movement that you're bringing in every moment. And so once I started having these experiences in the house community, I just saw these amazing dancers and just felt like this pull I just knew this, this is what I have to do. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You are totally someone that like can tap into what your heart is telling you and go for it, which is, oh my gosh, amazing. Really. When you're making that switch, are you still working like canvassing at the time? I had just started canvassing around the same time I was introduced to house dance. Can you tell me maybe a little bit more about that or like what the next couple of years were like for you in terms of just what you were going through and what your practice looked like? 2021 and 2022 were very challenging years for me. At the time, I was working as a canvasser and I was really enjoying, you know, I felt like I was really doing something positive, you know, fundraising for human rights organizations and environmental organizations and getting to talk to people on the street every day about their thoughts on society. It felt like a great thing, but it was really taking a toll on me every day. It became really hard for me to honestly just wake up every morning and go to work. I did not want to do that at all. I just wanted to stay in bed and dance or, you know, create art, do something else. Also, at that same time, I was starting to recover from my relationship trauma. And also, I was starting my eating disorder recovery, which was probably the hardest thing that I've had to go through. And so, on top of just not really wanting to go to work, I'm also struggling with really intense mental uh, health issues at the same time. But my Buddhist practice really, to be honest, saved me during that time because mm. through it, I was able to realize that I have to win where I am. And so even though I wanted to just quit and get some other job, I just knew I had to chant and really overcome my current work environment through me chanting to really win where I was, I also started to realize how I was also contributing to the workplace that I was in. And I had to take accountability for myself and my own life and realize that I wasn't really showing up for the people around me in the way that I really wanted to be. 
And so at the time, you know, I was a manager. I had to step down from being a manager and just really reflect and apologize to people and every single day decide to show up better. And eventually it got better. I ended up building some better friendships at work and transformed some relationships as well. I also was overcoming these overworking tendencies that I had. And I set really firm boundaries between my work life and my personal life. And yeah, I was able to actually take time for myself to rest. That was a really challenging time, but I just had to show up for myself every single day in a new way. My Buddhist practice was what helped me get out of bed every morning and go to work. And I was chanting for my coworkers' happiness every day. And I would wake up and be so mad at someone and then after chanting for 30 minutes you know I'm like wow I'm so thankful that they're challenging me you know it's a completely different mindset 30 minutes later and so my Buddhist practice was really just helping me get through every single day wow (laughs) I'm wondering um if there's anything like you studied or any kind of like Buddhist concept that maybe helped you realize like that you have to win where you are? I remember reading this quote and it just really stuck out to me at the time. So this is from Buddhist philosopher Daisaku Ikeda. And it says, never for an instant forget the effort to renew your life, to build yourself anew. Creativity means to push open the heavy groaning doorway of life itself. This is not an easy task. Indeed, it may be the most severely challenging struggle there is. For opening the door to your own life is in the end more difficult than opening the door to all the mysteries of the universe. And so that really is what I read that just stood out to me. And I just felt like, yeah, I feel the groaning doorway of life right now. (laughs) And I have to open up my own door to my own life. You know, I have to renew my life. It says creativity is how to open that. And so I decided I really needed to make more time for my art too. I'm sure as many people relate during COVID, it was really hard to do anything. And I was just getting in this habit of working, coming home, going to sleep, working, coming home, going to sleep. And so I was like, okay, I I kept writing this down and repeating it to myself that choosing my art and making time for my art is making time for myself And so I really had to push through in that way first. Wow. Oh, yeah. I love that quote so much. I read it for the first time, I think, when I was in college, and it really struck me. There's something about, like, this imagery of, like, pushing the doors open to your life. But it feels like, yeah, it's so difficult, but, like, how much power you can bring out of your life to push them open. So as you're, like deciding, okay, I'm going to somehow like make time for my art and I'm going to really win in work. How did you move forward with that? Yeah. So I honestly was just trying to do as many things as I could that kind of interest me. (laughs) I was trying to find some sort of job that I liked. And I, at the time, you know, I had previously had this idea for a sustainable clothing business. And so I decided, okay, maybe this is what I need to do right now. And I started that and 
really did not enjoy doing it. <laughs> and after a year stopped that business, I also released a poetry book. It was more so like a passion project though. So I knew this was not gonna be like a career for me, but I was really, really struggling at that time. It was really hard for me to feel like anything was gonna happen. But now looking back, I feel like I really needed to go through all of those struggles to really polish my own life for my next chapter. I had to learn a really important lesson, which is that I can be interested in so many different things, but I, if I want to have a job in something, I need to wake up every day and want to do it. And so I really started chanting about what do I want to spend my time doing, you know? What is something that I'm passionate about that I also really want to do every single day? So at the end of 2022, I made three concrete goals that were towards 2023. I know like a lot of young people that really want to like have a fulfilling life and maybe have a lot of interests or maybe don't have any and they feel sort of stuck. And so I'm wondering what maybe emotionally the experience was like when you were really struggling during that period. And did you have hope? Were you able to imagine? Yeah, I think I had hope. I, I knew that there was going to somehow be some way out, but I just had no idea what that was going to be at that time. The struggle was more so that I was desperately trying to find a way out for like a year and I just felt yeah. like, what am I going to do? <laughs> you know, what What do I want to do? And I think when I was growing up, I always knew what I wanted to do. So it was also like the first time where I really <laughs> was trying to figure out, okay, what do I want to do? I thought that I knew everything that I wanted, but I guess now wow. I don't really know. That was more so the struggle at the time. And then also because I was going through so many mental health struggles, I'm trying to just get through the day and then I'm also trying to figure out what I want to do with my life. And so that's a lot every single day to try to figure out. And for it to go on for a whole year, I can imagine by the end of the year, you were like, I am over it. Like how much longer until I break through this thing? <laughs> Which I know a lot of um, people I know feel that way. So when you set those three goals, what did they look like? And yeah, did that come from that place of like, oof, okay, I'm done with this. I'm ready to be over it, break through. Yes, definitely. <laughs> so yeah, I was ready to just, like that quote said, just break open the door to my own life. After I realized I really wanted to do hands-on environmental work, I wrote down three concrete goals for the next year. And I was just like, okay, these are what I'm focused on. I also named 2023 the year of my mission. And so the three goals that I made were one, to have a job in hands-on environmental work, specifically with regenerative agriculture or soil. Two, to connect more with my Buddhist friends and really create a great space in our community. And number three is I really wanted to make it into the top 16 of a house dance battle. So I really determined with those three goals towards the year. Once the year actually started, what did you do? Like what action did you take to make those goals happen? So 
another concept that I really resonated with from the beginning of my practice that has been what has made my practice so consistent is the concept of cause and effect. And so, you know, in Buddhism, we believe that you make causes, which are essentially actions that you take in your life, and they come in as effects in your life Mm -hmm. later down the line. Once I really understood that, I just felt like, wow, everything is a cause, you know? (laughs) And so as long as I just keep making causes, then I'll see the effects. Another important part of that concept is the simultaneity of cause and effect. In Nam-myoho Renge-kyo, Renge is actually cause and effect. It also stands for the lotus flower. The lotus flower blooms and seeds simultaneously. And so in the same way, when we make causes in our life, They are immediately registered in the environment as effects, even though we might not see them right away. And so I just decided, okay, I need to start making causes. (laughs) You know, that's that's how I'm going to break through. And I think every step of my Buddhist practice, that's pretty much what I've done to break through is just start making causes. And so I decided for my first goal of my job is I wanted to start volunteering once a month at some sort of compost hub and I found a nearby compost hub that was at a backyard farm founded by three women and I went and the second time that I went which was in February of 2023 one of the co-founders of the farm told me oh we have this internship it's about regenerative agriculture and soil science and native plants and nonprofit marketing you know all of these things that I had been wanting to go into and so I started the internship and that was 3 months And in May, I really decided that I wanted this job, but I really wasn't sure specifically what type of job that I wanted within that field. And so I had to chant, you know, okay, what do I want to do with my day? Like I had realized before, I had so much fun every weekend at the farm, we would have farm shifts. And so, you know, you're just pruning plants and helping community members and I had so much fun just doing that. And so I decided, okay, I want to have a job as an urban farmer. And so I decided in May that by the end of June, I was going to have a job as an urban farmer. And I made so many causes towards that. I applied to two different urban farming companies and continued chanting about it. And it just so happened that one of the co-founders of the internship also worked at one of the companies. (laughs) She was able to get me an interview. And so the next week I had this interview call. I chanted two hours that morning. I wrote down all the questions that I had. I was so prepared. I had made so many causes up to this point. And I get on the call and immediately they say, Hi, so, you know, we still wanted to take this call, but we just wanted to let you know that we no longer have an open position. Oh, no. (laughs) I, you know, was just like, okay, thanks. I still asked all the questions that I had. I was asking when do they expect there to be an open position available? And they said probably in the fall, but maybe in the middle of the summer. And so I just said, you know, thank you for your time and hung up. 
And immediately after the call, I redetermined and I just said, no, there's going to be an open position available right now. And two days later, I got a text that there was a new open position. (laughs) And so I kept chanting. The next week I went in to have a shadow day. I helped them harvest squash and uh, talk and ask questions. And at the end of that, a manager that I was talking to asked me when I would be available to start. And I said, you know, I'd have to give my boss a two weeks notice. And she said, okay, well, we would need someone to start sooner than that. We also are interviewing other people. (laughs) And so I said, okay. And I called my boss because I had been really transparent about trying to find a new job for a while. He said, okay, you can give me a 24 hours notice, (laughs) which was a huge benefit. And I found out the job was between me and one other person. And then I kept chanting, making causes. And that Friday, I got a text message that I got the job. I put in my 24 hour notice and I started working the next Monday as an urban farmer, which was the last week of June. <laughs> wow. That is such an amazing story. When I was listening to, I was thinking like, oh yeah, that's definitely a Buddhist. <laughs> Meaning as you chanted a couple of hours before you know the interview and afterward instead of feeling like oh well this is over no okay I'm gonna redetermine I still have my goal it's not the end of the month yet I'm gonna make it happen and you did that kind of spirit and attitude is very deeply embedded in this Buddhist practice it's all about like making things happen and not giving up when you were chanting throughout that period, like I'm thinking for somebody who hasn't chanted before, what did it feel like when you were chanting about things? How, what was your attitude when you were chanting about accomplishing this goal? I had a lot of doubt that year, that those first few months, especially even being in the internship, you know, and I think that really comes down to I have this passion for this field that I didn't get a degree for, (laughs) but I really want to do it. And so my entire Buddhist practice, anytime that I feel a doubt, I just have to immediately chant to overcome that within myself. And so it feels like when I'm chanting, it's like this battle basically and it's like I just have to chant I am absolutely going to win I am going to make this happen and then also making causes and taking actions towards that you know so it's like those whole two weeks I was just living moment to moment with my practice you know every single day I was waking up and chanting so much. I was studying, I was participating in meetings, I was supporting my Buddhist friends. Every single day of those two weeks, I was doing something within the Buddhist community as well. And whenever you really are chanting consistently, that just makes you feel like anything is possible, literally. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I had to do. Even before the phone call, I think if I hadn't chanted two hours, Maybe I wouldn't have even taken the phone call, you know? Maybe I wouldn't have redetermined afterwards or asked all the questions that I had during the call. But because I was so determined and continuing to chant, 
I just felt like, no, this has to happen. And I felt this like surge of energy every single day. And as you can tell, there were many moments leading up to me getting that job. <laughs> every single moment that something happened, I redetermined, you know, it's like every single piece of the puzzle was part of, you know, my Buddhist, like, okay, this is going to happen, you know, and it's like every single time going back to, you know, chanting and facing my life. Wow. Oh, I'm so glad I asked that question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was great. I really love that you said it was kind of like a battle. In this redetermining, you're challenging your self-doubt. Every time you redetermine, you're saying, I'm going to make it happen. And just like you said, when you're chanting and raising the state of your life, you really feel like hopeful and like, okay, I can make this happen. And that's so necessary to actually take action too, right? Because if we don't have that kind of elevated life state and we really believe in ourselves, it's hard to take the action and redetermine too, you know? So I think this kind of experience like really beautifully illustrates the process of challenging yourself when you're really fighting toward a goal. So I want to know, like you had these three goals, right? So after you accomplished this great victory with the job search, how did the two other goals go? Were they happening, you know, same time or what did that look like? Yeah. So, you know, my job was the first thing that I really wanted to break through. So I just put all my energy into that the first half of the year. But, you know, once that was done, then I was like, okay, what's next? <laughs> and so, you know, I was like, okay, next goal is connecting with my Buddhist community. I really wanted to create a space with my Buddhist friends where I could study and practice together and encourage each other. And so I really started chanting and I was able to create a space with five people consistently over, you know, the next like six months or so where we were able to practice and study together. And it was really incredible. Yeah, I also just really determined during that time that I wanted to make my Buddhist friends goals my own. I wanted their own life to be my own determination. And so I really chanted for their lives as much as I would for mine. And at that time, especially after having my job, then I felt like, okay, I actually have the space now where I can, you know, fully support my friends. And so that was also really great to be able to create that space and environment. Yeah, you know, we talk a lot on the podcast, kind of in passing, like supporting other people, but I think hearing a little bit more what that actually looks like, and of course it's different for each person, but like, what does it really mean to support someone? And I think, yeah, hearing that was really helpful. Is there anything else like you would say what it looked like in supporting other people at that time? I mean, you know, every single day I was chanting for my Buddhist friends, but I also, you know, was studying with them. I would send them, you know, Buddhist texts. And I felt like because we're all able to really share, you know, our own goals in life and our own struggles, it's like you are also living moment to moment like with their battles too, you know? And so it's like, you're all encouraging each other. And it's this amazing space where we're all able to grow together and learn from each other and really continue on our, you know, own journeys and everything. And so it's like this amazing support system where it just rejuvenates you as well. You know, when you support other people, I feel like 
any time where I'm making time to support my friends or to participate in meetings or chant any of these things, study, it doesn't feel like it's taking time away from my own life. You know, Mm. it's like, it's almost adding into my own bucket too. (laughs) And so that's kind of part of it. You know, it's like the more that we continue to support and study together, it's just like adding in energy to our own lives as well. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Now that you say that, I'm thinking, oh yeah, when I'm really like challenging myself in my Buddhist practice, the same 24 hours in a day feels totally different. It feels like those hours go on forever and like I can really make the most of the time, even if I do a lot and it's, you know, I'm tired at the end of the day. It's so much fuller than if I were to just stay at home all day and like not chant, which if I'm being candid, does happen every once in a while. But, you know, on those days, it feels like, wow, where did the day go? I didn't do anything. It's just like such a night and day difference. So I really do feel, yeah, that like, especially supporting others really adds to your own kind of bucket and expands your time almost. So then the third goal was the dance battle. How did that go? Where did that goal come from? To be honest, at that point in the year, I was kind of struggling with my practice. I had Uh kind of fallen off a little bit. I think sometimes when we have like a really big goal that we achieve afterwards, it's hard (laughs) to really get yourself to chant. And so (laughs) that's how I felt. And at the time, I also wasn't really even focused on battling or entering battles. You know, something that my dance mentor says is you dance how you live. And so once I had this amazing job and I was every day just around plants and like, you know, my mental clarity was so much better, my dancing transformed. And so I was a lot more focused on my artistry and like really exploring that at that time. But in November, all of this trauma came back (laughs) like it does every November. And I just was struggling, you know, and I just decided, no, like, I'm not gonna let this past relationship or my disordered eating affect my everyday. I am not gonna let these things, you know, choose my happiness. And so in November, I decided this is going to be the happiest month of the year, regardless of everything that's already happened. This is going to be the happiest month for me. I, you know, again, started making causes. I started going to Buddhist meetings and participating and reaching out to friends and chanting every day. At the time, I also was in this habit of what me and my friends call maintenance chanting, where, you know, you're just chanting for five or 10 minutes every day just to do it, but maybe you're distracted, you're not actually focused. And so I had to decide, okay, no, I'm gonna focus. I'm gonna write down goals again. And it was the happiest month. And during that time, there was a dance battle coming up. And to be honest, you know, like I said, I wasn't really focused on battling at that time, but I, you know, I was like, okay, I already had paid for the ticket. So I knew at least I was gonna go and watch, but I just was like, okay, I already decided that this was a goal. I've already been chanting for it. I the guess I'll enter. Over. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, I guess I'll enter and see what happens. So I entered this battle and that morning I chanted, I actually warmed up for like an hour before going. 
And then I get to the battle and I was just trying to stay in a good head space. Um, I was just trying to listen to music with the headphones in and kind of get in the, you know, right mindset. And, you know, I entered, I did my prelim round and I felt okay about it, but you know, it wasn't anything mind blowing to me personally. Um, <laughs> you know, I go throughout my day and this was actually a two day battle. So I had been talking to the judges and everything throughout the day and one of them I had actually trained with earlier that year, and he came up to me later and was like, that was great. Like, I'm so proud of you. And at the end wow. of the day, he came up to me and he said, so are you ready for tomorrow? <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> and basically he explained that the top 16 was the next day and that I got in. <laughs> wow. I just was like, what? I just felt in that moment, like every goal that I chanted for this year happened, you know, and I just felt so amazing and just happy about that, that regardless of anything else that happened after that. A lot of my friends, even that are dancers were out of town, so they weren't even like there <laughs> to see everything, but I, I hadn't told anyone. I just decided that that night I wanted that to kind of be for myself. But I didn't know that the event had actually posted the top 16 on their Instagram. And so the next day, you know, all of my friends are like, Hannah, like, you're at the top 16. You know, people that were out of town on tour, like, I felt so much support. And I was like, okay, I'm going to try to make it into the top eight because that was, you know, the next place. And I actually ended up being the first dancer to go that day, which is so nerve wracking. I didn't make it into the top eight, which... I felt a little bit disappointed, but I just, you know, I was like, okay, I still made my goal happen. And yeah, and that was in November <laughs> at the last house battle of the year. Just like with the job, we're going to flirt right with the end of the deadline, but we're going to make it happen. Wow. Oh my gosh. And I mean, that was so recently that now it's February. That was just a few months ago. So after accomplishing all three of those goals, how do you feel? Well, great. <laughs> yeah, I I just felt so grateful for mm. my practice. You know, I had so much appreciation for my practice and I felt so much support from the dance community at the time. I just remember that week, I just kept crying out of appreciation and like love and I was just overwhelmed. Um, but I also at that time, you know, my mentor, Buddhist philosopher Daisaku Ikeda had also passed away. I felt so much appreciation for him too, you know, without him coming to the United States and sharing this practice, I wouldn't have been able to break through my own life, you know, and I went from this shy person that was completely not sharing who I was to now like doing everything that I wanted to. And I just felt so much appreciation. And at the time I was still struggling with disordered eating, but being able to decide, okay, I'm going to go and participate in this meeting today. My practice became such protection for my life because it's like, no matter what happened the past two days, if I was overthinking what I was going to eat or anything, I had to wake up that morning. I had to have food in my body and I had to be present in order to, you know, be at this meeting and support my Buddhist friends. And so I just felt so much appreciation. And I also felt like everything that happened in the past three years all led to this moment 
nothing is ever wasted in Buddhism. And that's really how I felt. Even in soil, nothing is ever wasted. You know, all organic matter breaks down into amazing nutrients for the earth. And so that's really how I felt. And then to be honest, after that, I was like, okay, what now? <laughs> you know, like, I just did all of these things. I had zero doubt in my practice at that point. And so I was like, what do I want to do? You know, what is next? What are your goals for this year? <laughs> I decided that this year I want to be focused on my artistry and I really want to be focused on just like being present. And so I named this year my year of poetic vitality. And yeah, I am really focused on taking courses to advance in my career. I also am, you know, chanting to make it to the top eight of the battle. <laughs> and I want to really open up in my artistry with other dancers and collaborate and make projects and, you know, travel and really, you know, open up my life in that way. I also really want to break through in relationships. And I really am chanting to have an incredible romantic relationship as well. So yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> if there is anyone listening now who is in a similar place as you were when you first started your practice, or maybe at the beginning of 2023, when you were at this like kind of breaking point, what advice would you give to someone that's like in one of those places? Yeah, so I would just say never give up. <laughs> you know, every single moment is new. Every single moment is a chance to really redetermine and recommit to what you want to do in your life and recommit to yourself and transforming. And so, you know, I would just say take that first step, make that first cause, and you'll look back eventually and realize that that first step that you took is what really changed everything. And so I would just say, look at every moment as a new opportunity. Honestly, I've been stuck in a bit of a rut lately. So speaking with Hannah reminded me how powerful simply making a determination can be. When we set clear goals and use our Buddhist practice to determine and then redetermine when we're knocked down, anything is possible. As we were speaking, a really well-known quote from Daisaku Ikeda came to mind. Ikeda writes, When your determination changes, everything else will begin to move in the direction you desire. The moment you resolve to be victorious, every nerve and fiber in your being will immediately orient itself toward your success. On the other hand, if you think this is never going to work out, then at that instant, every cell in your being will be deflated and give up the fight and everything then really will move in the direction of failure. How you orient your mind, the kind of attitude you take, greatly influences both yourself and your environment. Through the power of strong inner resolve, we can transform ourselves, those around us, and the land in which we live. Each of you is in possession of this tool, this secret weapon. There is no greater treasure. I hope that this episode helped you refresh your attitude just like it did for me. For next week's episode, we want you to tell us one animated show or movie that is totally Buddhist and why. If you're interested in getting connected to a local Buddhist community, you can email us at connect at sgi-usa.org. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.